Hey friends, the more women I talk to, the more I see who find themselves between a rock and a hard place when it comes to their marriage. An imbalance of power and control within a marriage can create constant fear, a sense of walking on eggshells, never knowing what's going to happen next, and coming to believe that there's something inherently wrong with yourself. Because clearly, if your husband is always unhappy with you, frequently angry at what you do, then that would be the correct conclusion, right? It can be hard to know what's worse. The constant put-downs, the crazy-making, and the betrayal, or the physical violence that often occurs. If you're in a situation like this, or if you ever have been, know this. If you're in Christ, God is for you, not against you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And his grace is sufficient for you. We have a promise in James chapter 1, verse 5, that he gives wisdom freely to all who ask, without reproach. And we know that much wisdom is needed within oppressive marriages. One of the wonderful ways that God provides that wisdom is through other believers. And today we have Joy Forrest back with us, talking about the Call to Peace ministry once again and how they help women who find themselves within a destructive marriage, whether we call those marriages oppressive or narcissistic or abusive, and how Call to Peace walks with them through the process as they make choices about what to do. Welcome to Christ-Dependent Single Motherhood. Are you feeling exhausted, overwhelmed, and longing for a safe community of believers? Do you sit up at night googling how to work and homeschool at the same time, or Bible verses on anxiety? Do you wish for a Titus II older woman to help you navigate this lonely parenting path? I'm Sarah, a veteran homeschooling mom, daughter of Christ, and no stranger to broken marriage. I know the heavy burden of shouldering a family alone. I only wanted to raise my children to love Jesus Christ, but I watched as my family crumbled in front of me. I didn't know who I could trust, but God provided the healing and discipleship I needed through mentors who spent years faithfully applying His Word to my heart like ointment to wounds. My desire is to use this podcast to share what I've learned, what I'm still learning. My prayer is that you'll be pointed to Christ, learn to forgive, find freedom from fear, and learn that we have a God who can be trusted. Make sure your earbuds are charged and grab your Bible. Let's walk this path together.
Well, today we have again with us Joy Forrest, who is with Call to Peace Ministries. She is their executive director. Joy has a master's degree in biblical counseling, and she's also written a book by the same name, Called to Peace. And we're so thankful to have her on the podcast again today. Um, Today, I've asked her to join us again because another big issue that comes up consistently um, among our ladies that we deal with is this question of, I am in an abusive marriage and I don't know what to do. Um, Joy, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about how your ministry helps women in that situation. And my understanding is you don't actually tell them what to do, do you? Absolutely not. So if you think about it, somebody who has been controlled for years and years and years will resist the control of someone else and they need to learn to make their own decisions. So what we do and what any good advocate will do, if you go to any kind of domestic violence program anywhere, good advocates with good training will not direct you, will not tell you what to do, but they will help you explore your options and uh, find the best, best path forward, forward, (laughs) can't talk. (laughs) So they'll, they'll help you, um, move through the process, whatever it is you decide to do. If you want to stay, um, you know, Leslie Vernick has a book about the emotionally destructive marriage, and she says you either stay well or you leave well. And so a lot of women, and for a lot of different reasons, may choose to stay in these relationships. Um, they may understand that our court system also does not get domestic abuse. And a lot of times they're going to split custody 50 50. Mm-hmm. And I've had women who say, I would rather take my chances and stay in the marriage so I can be with my children and protect them. So there are reasons that women might want to stay in these situations if it's not too deadly. Um, and of course, we always. Uh, we would assess that and help them decide if this is actually more than just something that would escalate to the point of becoming deadly. And so we can do what we call a lethality assessment with them and help them understand the risks to themselves and to their children. But um, sorry, I think I lost my train of thought here. Um, What was you saying? No, do you want me to? jog your memory. That's fine. Um, (laughs) You make me feel like me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, and that didn't even make sense, but whatever. So what we were talking about was how your ministry helps women in making a decision to leave or to stay within an abusive marriage, but without directing them, allowing them to maintain agency and making their own decisions. Yeah. Okay. So when I, I, I'm a survivor of domestic abuse and when I was coming out, anybody who started telling me what to do, I automatically resisted. I thought nobody has the right to tell me what to do except for him. And I thought he had it because I thought that's what submission meant. Biblical submission later learned that is not what it means at all. And so um, that is really one of our main goals is to help uh, these women. Our ministry works with women and, you know, the overwhelming majority of victims of domestic abuse are women. And so we help them to learn to make their own decisions, to um, actually get educated on what's happening, knowing the best ways to respond 
so that they can get the best outcome. And so we have advocates who will walk alongside them and, and again, help them explore their options, educate them. Um, even if they have to go to court, the way you talk about the situation in court will determine, uh, can often determine your outcome. Because just like pastors, we've already talked about pastors not understanding, judges a lot of times don't understand. And so the way that you word what's happening in your marriage to a judge can make a big difference in how the, how it, uh, they rule on your case. So what are, I'm just curious, what are some of the ways that you have learned are helpful for women to talk to the judge about uh, an abuse case when there's going to be a divorce or maybe, you know, a legal separation? Just like I was uh, talking about before, when we talked about pastors, If a woman goes in and starts calling it abuse, a lot of times judges, and it even happens in their training sometimes, if you say abuse, they're automatically going to see that as a ploy to get what you want in court. Okay. So not using the terminology uh, abuse, like I'm being abused or he's abusive to me, not using that kind of terminology, but going in and describing behaviors, describing impacts. I tell women to choose the top five, the worst things that have happened, because when you're in front of a judge, you don't have time to give your entire story and people with post-traumatic stress, which a lot of victims have, will start with the very beginning, want to tell you their whole life story. You don't have that kind of time in court. So you need to pick the top five worst things. Um, I would usually take a power and control wheel and I will look through that, those different dynamics, different types of abuse uh, that can happen and try to help jog their memory with that. So that if they're asking for a protective order, they're more likely to get it. Anything that shows that their life might be in danger or, um, you know, that they could become, they could be harmed by this person. Okay. Important. And I think it's also important if it's, it it can be helpful to act like these are, these things are happening. And I'm so confused because I feel like a lot of times judges will go, Oh, let me help you solve this problem. Let's see what's going on. It rather than you just coming in and accusing and blasting, or uh, even even if you come across angry, it will not go well. And so you can have a few tears, but if you come across hysterically weeping, it's not going to go well. You really have to sort of maintain a calm. You can be sad and you can talk about how grieved you are about the whole thing, but even showing some confusion to the judge, like, I just don't understand why anybody would do that. I've seen that sort of turn the judge towards, hmm, wonder if I can help with this. It's very strange, um, but so many judges just don't get it. So it's very helpful um, not to come in and call it abuse because again, they've, they many times have been trained to, to think that claiming abuse is a way to get custody of the children or um, basically get whatever it is you're trying to get in a divorce. And that that's not the case, but that's the way their training has gone in a lot of cases. Okay. So you talk about these advocates, tell us a little bit about your advocates, what kind of training do they have and, and how, what does the involvement um, look like when a woman um, contacts your ministry and asks to be assigned an advocate? I mean, is this in-person contact? Is it, is it, you know, remote contact and do they, I mean, how does it all work? Yeah, it's mostly remote just because we don't have advocates in every city in the nation. We do have, I think, about 70 or 80 nationwide and in a few foreign countries. 
Um, so what normally happens is when you fill out that request for an advocate on our website, you'll get a call from one of our intake coordinators uh, or intake people, and they will ask questions to find out a little bit more about your situation and then try to pair you up with an advocate that's most appropriate for your situation or maybe even your locale. If there's somebody local to you, we can try to get you set up with somebody local um, or even in your region. So um, the advocates are very much um, <clears throat> At your dis well, let's just say it this way: they're not there. They're not going to pursue you, chase you down. They're there when you want to talk to them. So you, they will set. Uh, you can set up a time to talk, and perhaps even if you're in the middle of something going on, then you know you would have a standing appointment to talk to them maybe once a week. If, you know until things settle down a little bit. But basically, what the advocates do is they are there to help you stabilize your situation. Um, to have the best outcome. These advocates have been through our one-year training. We have a, a one-year advocacy training with House of Peace Publications. This happened back in the, I think, the fall of 2018. Um, I had a woman who kept reaching out to me saying, you know, a mutual friend had told her about me. She said, we need to talk. I'm, I, I, we just need to get something going. And I had no idea. But before that, it felt like at least five or six people had been asking me to teach an advocacy course because I was an advocate with the North Carolina Coalition Against Domestic Violence. And I kept thinking, I don't have time to write a curriculum. So anyway, this woman keeps reaching out to me. I kept putting her off because I was so busy. Finally, when she comes to my office, she says, I have 30 classes that I've written on domestic violence and advocacy. <laughs> and I thought, well, God, that could only be you. And so what I did is um, we sat down and talked and she taught at Colorado State University Pueblo and was also really involved with the Institute for Viol Violence, Abuse and Trauma, IVAT, and several other um, national domestic violence agencies and the Colorado State Coalition Against Domestic Violence. And so she has all sorts of experience. But of course, ours is a ministry. So I asked her, if you would allow me to put a biblical perspective on what you're teaching on. And basically, most of these courses are almost like 100% research based. And okay. so if you would let me put a biblical perspective on this, then I think I can find some people who will take these classes. And what happened is over the years now, we've been doing this since 2019, and um, we've had over 500 people come through at least one of the courses. And so if they finish all 12 courses in a year, then they can become eligible to be an advocate with the ministry. And so those ones that um, we have out there, those 70 to 80, however many there are, um, they have gone through those courses. And not only that, they have access to Dr. Deborah, who teaches the courses and me, um, who I co-teach. Um, so if there's a situation that they feel like they can't handle, they always have us available to consult. Okay. Okay. And so just to be clear to our listeners, you call to peace is not associated with a particular denomination, but um, you would consider yourself Orthodox, not in the sense of Eastern Orthodox, <laughs> but <laughs> um, basically you your statement of faith is consistent with like an, an evangelical bi biblical theology. Yeah. Um, and you do work what's yeah. yes, you're undenominational and you do work with women um, and churches from a variety of denominations. Don't you? 
Absolutely. And there are different perspectives among those denominations about issues like separation and divorce. And um, just describe to our listeners a little bit how um, your ministry handles those differences. Do you come in and, and, you know, (laughs) this is really a leading question. Do you impose your beliefs on them? I know you don't. So just tell, talk to us about that. So basically um, what we do is we show respect for people's different views on theology, as long as it doesn't hurt the victim of abuse. So if they're not telling somebody whose life is in danger, you have to stay, then we're, we're going to respect what they believe. We understand that there are a lot of things in scripture that can be interpreted multiple ways. Mm-hmm. And so we will respect that again, as long as they're not hurting these uh, victims of abuse. And so it's interesting because I know a lot of people, they'll take up a theological cause thinking that's going to stop abuse, but, oh, so everybody needs to be egalitarian that, you know, we don't believe in roles in marriage. And, but I hate to tell you, I've known people who are egalitarian who are abusive or everybody needs to have a a policy that says abuse is grounds for divorce, which I happen to believe, but um, I don't need to change somebody's theology because I've actually gone into a church and worked with a woman whose pastor didn't believe that it was. And yet he said, we're going to get you and your girls safe. So you just don't ever know. We just, we choose to walk in respect um, with those uh, churches, with those pastors, and we don't impose our beliefs on people um, as long as they're keeping people safe. Right. And I think that is a key point that our listeners really need to hear because most of them are coming from, um, you know, including myself, a very conservative um, theological standpoint. And I think most would be very hesitant to hear about a ministry that offers help, but is going to tell them, you know, you need to, you need to get a divorce. And that's just, that's not what you guys do at all. And I love I love the fact that you walk with women through this. And as you said, you seek the best possible outcome for them and their children and help them to make their own decisions according to their convictions. Amen. Yeah, because when I was going through it, I, people were trying to tell me what to do or telling me that I needed to get a divorce. And I thought these people don't know Jesus, <laughs> you know, and honestly, it needs to be a conviction of the Holy spirit. If you walk with him, you have a relationship with him. He can change your heart if you're open to what he has to say, because that's what happened with me. I didn't believe in divorce. And I mean, I had biblical grounds, but yeah. I didn't believe in divorce. And I kept going back until I almost got killed. My 12 year old daughter said, mom, why do you stay? And I said, well, God hates divorce. And she said, yeah, God hates divorce, but he's going to hate it a lot more when my mom is dead. And I mean, that kind of was like a slap in the face, but you know, I think that I had to be convicted of of myself. And so when I was reading in first Corinthians seven, um, going down about an unbeliever leaving. And when I get to verse 15, Every time I'd read it before, it says, if an unbeliever wants to depart and it's, and I thought, well, Lord, he says he's a believer and he doesn't want to depart, then let him go. In such cases, the believing spouse is not under bondage because God has called us to peace. And honestly, every time I'd read it, I'd read it with an eye towards the letter of the law instead of God's heart towards me. And when I, um, 
when I read that that day, if you ever just had a scripture wash all over you, that's what happened to me. It was like, um, just peace came upon me. It's like God saying, joy, that's not what I desire for you. My goal for you or my desire for you is peace. It is not this constant turmoil. Mm. Oh, praise God. Um, joy. I just want to thank you once again for joining us today. Um, I know that in our, our previous episode, we didn't mention the book that you've written called to peace. And we're going to make sure to put a link to that book in the show notes, along with a link to the ministry called to peace so that women um, who really want to avail themselves of what this ministry has to offer, which is a significant amount of hope and healing can contact you all and um, just start that process. Yeah. So um, the book, actually, the first half of my book, I have actually two books. One is the just called to peace, a survivor's guide to finding peace and healing after domestic abuse. It's actually my process of healing. So the first half is my story and I put it in there partially just so people can see that abuse is far more than just physical harm to see how our thinking changes over time. I, I was almost embarrassed to write the book because I went back so many times. People are like, is she crazy? It was like watching a horror movie. She don't go in there, <laughs> you know, but the, you know, for me, uh, I wanted people to understand. It's like you get trauma bonded to this person and you have the hardest time breaking free. So I wanted people to see that process and see how your how my thinking changed over time. And then the second half of the book is basically just keys to healing. So how do you heal? How do you get past the constant uh, grief that you're feeling? How do you get past the anger and the, uh, all the huge emotions that want to overtake us? So that's the second half of the book. And then there's a workbook, um, the companion workbook that goes along with the book. It's not like chapter by chapter, but basically we go in greater detail into those things that I talk about that are the keys to healing in the book. And so we work through that and we work through it in support groups that Call to Peace um, has all over the nation um, and virtually. Um, okay. Yeah. So, um, Anyway, to me, they are just strong and powerful keys of healing. And because for, my, for myself, um, healing happened as I connected with God and I really started connecting with scripture and looking for his heart in scripture rather than the letter of the law. Mm -hmm. So I had really learned how to do that through a Bible study that God sovereign, sovereignly placed in my life. Um, right before all the really bad things started happening in my marriage or the worst things, because it had been bad for a long time. Mm. But the Lord really just placed that in my life. And um, even though there were still scriptures that bothered me, like things that I couldn't understand, and I, they made me a little nauseated when I would read them, because things like submitting to your husband, because I was interpreting submission as obedience, which is not what it means. Um, so I've done it again. Hold on. <laughs> you've got a lot going on right now I do, I do. <laughs> but you're talking about your book and you're talking about how you present your journey mm -hmm. um and then also there's a workbook involved that um you were describing and how it helps women see that path to healing I see it yeah and so um 
So basically, I had um, really come to see God as detached and uncaring, even though I was serving in ministry. That's what happens when we live with abuse. Our view of God gets warped. Our view of ourselves gets warped. And so that's the kind of stuff that we deal with in our support groups. We deal with that. And in addition to that, you've got community and we really do heal best in community. Because I remember going through it and thinking, nobody, nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody right. understands. And back then there just wasn't, uh, you know, there wasn't internet. And so for me to even find a one single book on domestic abuse that was helpful, took driving 50 miles to a bookstore up, you know, an hour away from my home. And, um, and it wasn't a Christian book. So I was really not sure I could trust it, right. <laughs> you know? mm. um, but God was faithful to show me these keys to healing. The interesting thing is that over the years, I've met other women who got out and God led them through that same healing process. And they were like, yes, it was this scripture and this one, and this is how I did it. And I, I found that I started healing as I was posting scriptures that were truths that uh, basically countered the lies that I had come to believe because yes. we start believing lies when we live in these situations. So I had scriptures posted everywhere, depending on how I was triggered that day, I would go over and just start praying that scripture out loud over and over and over again to God. And over time, I, I had terrible PTSD. But over time, my symptoms started to dissipate and lessen yes. as I started meditating on his truth. And I didn't even realize how my healing had happened. Um, I think now I could make it happen a little bit faster because um, I didn't understand the brain science behind it. What I found out was that there was actually brain science uh, that supports God's path to healing. Mm -hmm. So I was watching a brain scan one day and the man was showing somebody studying so basically, left brain activity, the, there was activity only on the right, the left side of the brain. And then he showed a brain scan of somebody meditating and the whole brain was lit up. Mm -hmm. And I realized that's how my healing occurred because people who are traumatized cannot logic themselves out of it. Right. You can't say you're okay. Just, you know, get a grip, be okay now. And you, it will not happen. That's not even true what you're believing. Logic cannot win the day. But when you start meditating, and I mean, truly meditating, trying to get it down into your spirit, it, it actually will activate the side of the brain or the parts of the brain or the amygdala right side of the brain that have been traumatized and bring healing to those areas. So that's when I went, oh, that's how I healed because I didn't understand how I healed. Because you were meditating on the word of God specifically. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that, that enabled, see, I remember our conversation earlier that we didn't record. You talked about how that, that process helped internalize scripture for you in a way that couldn't be addressed by trying to internalize it with your left hemisphere, basically what you're saying. Mm -hmm. um, and we just, we actually just um, published a couple of episodes about singing and specifically singing scripture and singing God's truth as a way, as a path to healing as well. 
that happened with me a lot. I did a lot of singing. Yes. <laughs> I mean, because that's a right brain activity. So it is very yeah. important to do things that will activate your entire brain, even movement. If you were to go over to Israel and you watch the people, the, the Jews at the Western Wall, they're moving back and forth. De they, there's a name for it, Devani, Devani, anyway, but they will be moving back and forth and the, that uh, a bilateral movement will also, especially swaying back and forth is very healing to our brains um, because it, it just wakes up that side of the brain. And so we know scientifically things like EMDR and brain spotting, different things that they can do in therapy now are working because they're whole brain activities and here mm. God prescribed it thousands <laughs> of years ago in his word. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Joy, thank you for joining us again. Um, I am grateful that our listeners are going to be able to hear this episode. And um, again, I think a lot of women are in a situation where they feel like they're between a rock and a hard place and their heart is to do what is pleasing to the Lord, but they're also recognizing that they can't continue the way they're living. Um, and I think what call to peace is offering is, is a door of hope in the Valley of trouble. Yes. Amen. I certainly pray. So I'm seeing it happen all the time. I mean, we are definitely not perfect. Um, we're growing so fast, but we will, um, that's our heart. Our heart is to come alongside those who lived with oppression in their homes. And, uh, like it says in Isaiah 61 to set the uh, oppressed free or set the captives free because mm -hmm. that's what jesus came to do and we hope that we are to fulfilling his mission to mm -hmm. uh, people who are living in bondage yes well joy we appreciate your being with us and we look forward to possibly hearing from you again if you're open to it all right yes of course all right. thank you sarah i appreciate it thanks joy if you've been uplifted in any way by this podcast, it would mean so much if you'd not only subscribe, but leave a written review over on Apple Podcasts. And if you're looking for a community of like-minded, believing women on the same path as you, consider joining our Facebook group. A link is in the show notes. Until next time, remember, we have a God who can be trusted.